there is an event. When I do, somebody just stands up and says, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we cover this car with the blood of Jesus. Like they've trained all of us. What's the answer? The blood of Jesus. It's powerful to use the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. But sometimes we need to understand what it really means. What happens when we say the blood of Jesus? What are the benefits? Is it really real? Is it still the blood of 2,000 years? Is it still speaking today? So sometimes we need to look at what's the purpose of the blood? What is it for? Yesterday, I did a lot of collapse because I was not around on Friday. Some of us might know it. I, you know, my father passed on on Friday morning. And um, all of that. Very interesting. He passed on at 55. He gave God praise. I had to quickly attend to him. So I had to collapse a lot of things in yesterday's teaching. This morning, I want to try to be a little very, you know, dissect, I mean, dissecting, dissectional in how I want to teach. We are looking at the efficacy of the blood. Help me look at your, num- your neighbor. Say the efficacy of the blood. Say the efficacy of the blood for bigger, better, and brighter testimonies. Yes, help me say it again. Say for the efficacy of the blood for bigger, better, and brighter testimonies. Now, so we're going to start the conversation slice by slice. Please do me a favor. Write. Go back home and study. Check it out. Don't just receive it like, okay, check what we have said. Don't just say, eh, don't, don't disagree and don't fully, or, you know, do you understand? Take it back home. Go and look at it again. Because much more than teaching it today is that it's a doctrine that we want to establish. That there's such a thing called the blood of Jesus. Can I hear an amen there? So let's look at it from how I have planned to share this discussion today. Jesus Christ came among many reasons to deliver man from our sins. Let's take a look at scriptures. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Clearly, the purpose of why Jesus Christ came, among many other purposes, Jesus did not just come as one purpose. He came for many other purposes. Now it says that in Matthew chapter 1 verse, please media, you are going to work with me today very fast. Matthew 1, praise God. Before the end of today's service, I'll be praying for a couple getting married next Saturday also. Hallelujah. Some people are not happy about that news. Is it true? Please, if you're happy, say amen. amen. Ah, okay, maybe you guys just, maybe your hands were busy. That's why you couldn't clap. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, please, we are going to do a lot of Bible reading today just to establish truth. Is that okay, please? Matthew 1, 21. And sh- let's read it together. People of God, please, let's do this together. One, two, go. All right, let's read it again. One more time. One, two, go. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Did you see that in your Bible? One of the major reasons why Jesus Christ has come is to save his people from their sins. Why? Why sin? Listen to this. The subject of sin is a very important subject. Why is it important? Because it is sin that has hindered the flow of man's relationship with God. In Isaiah chapter 66, it says, it is not that the hand of your God is shortened that he cannot hear you, but your iniquity 
has separated you from him. Sin is the major obstruction from God having a free course in man's life. When God made man, the Bible says that God made man in his image and in his likeness. So man got up, had all the functionalities of God, the intelligence of God. Guess what? It was not God that named animals, it was man. Man looked at parrot, say your name is parrot for the purpose of this discussion. He might not have said it in English, but that was the name we call parrot. Believe it, there are some animals that exist till today and they exist because man named them. Dinosaurs, rhinos, all of these things. It was man's intelligence. He was so intelligent that the next time after naming him once, if he was going to call rhino again, he could still call him rhino. Do you know how many animals we have on this earth? So I called you, of all the animals, I called one spider, I called one amulet, I called this one, this, I called this one, that, I called it. Then by the time I'm coming to see them again, I still remember the name I called you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's from intelligence. What do you think? That is from intelligence. Even just asking for your names here. You are the one that told me your name, oh, I might not be able to remember everybody's name. Yes, let alone I call something name. And remember the name for 2,000 years. My brother, my sister, that's powerful. That's how powerful the life of God is in man. God made man. We are not just animals. We are men. Glory to God. That's why that statement of evolution of man is a very mischievous statement that we evolved from ape. It's not me and your generation. Which ape? Do you know what that means? That means, what, how do you explain the nine months pregnancy? What did you do to that? You prefer, and it's convenient to believe that the blacks are the ones essentially that evolved. But normal people are from the womb. Do you see the mischief of that theory? We literally say woman push and give birth to a baby. Yet to say we evolved. You know that's nonsense. But painfully enough, because the person who proposed that theory was a strong scientist. That's what we write in our biology exams. If you write what I just told you now in biology exam, they might fail you. They may fail you. They will fail you. Don't write it. I'm telling you. So it's amazing how that somebody is strongly involved in science has purported a theory that is very wrong. We know that a woman is pregnant nine months. Nine months she puts to bed. You think it's a joke? We see the baby we receive it and you tell us we evolved from animals. God punished the devil. What a bad theory. Trying to reduce the dignity of God's glory. But guess what? When man evolved and started to function and we're doing things, one of the critical things you must understand was that when man ate the fruit that God told him not to eat in the garden, man disobeyed God. The effect of that was that man was downsized in glory. You know, everything has downsides. Recently, I had not fulfilled my obligation to Zoom to renew my um, monthly rent of Zoom. I just got an email yesterday. Your account has been downgraded. Uh, what does that mean? That means before now, I had an account that could go one hour without two hours, three hours, four hours without interruption. They say, we are sending you back to the free package. 40 minutes, cancel you. Relogging. They have downgraded. You are still on Zoom. You are still everything, but your account is limited. You no longer can talk too much. The account, they won't give you international no mobile numbers. There are limitations. That's what happened when man sinned. When man lives in sin, though he's still human, he is limited. Now, what happened was that Jesus came essentially knowing that 
if sin is what limited man, then sin is what will restore man. So that scripture says, all men have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. Then he says, but that the gift of God is eternal life. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say here? Now in Romans chapter 6 verse 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. What this simply means is that there is a responsibility that anyone who has sinned will not only fall short of the glory of God, will also die. So there are two things that happens to man. Follow me please. First is that when you sin or that you were born in sin, you are actually living below the glory of God. Secondly, because of that sin of living below the glory of God, you will die the second death which is in hellfire. So God looked upon it and said, I can't leave my people in sin. The solution to redeem man from sin is such that it has to come by the death and blood shedding. Everybody say blood shedding. I want to repeat it again. Blood shedding of his pure son. We, we, we took ourselves through a journey yesterday through the book of Hebrews chapter 8 and chapter 9. If you can get home, watch the video. It's on YouTube. I hope, I believe it should be. But just read it if you have access to it. And we saw that, that the Bible says before now, the way God used to relate with man was that once every year, a priest will stand on behalf of everybody there, like me now, well-dressed. I will take blood in my hands. All of you are standing here waiting for me. You all confess your sins. I carry a bowl of blood. I listen to what I'm saying here. And I walk into what they consider to be holy of holies. So just imagine that this is the outer court. Then this place is the um, inner court. Then that place is the holy of holies. Do you get what I'm saying? They will tie a, a cord to me. A, a wire or cord. Lace it down. And give the strong men, other high priests, to hold on my behalf. And as I'm going, I'm going, now Lord, let me go with enough purity not to lose my life. Because if I enter that place without blood and I'm coming wrongly, I will die inside there. That's why it says people should not be in a hurry to become leaders. Because when you do such things, your life is at stake. So when we do that, we come out and I go inside, you know, and I bow and say, Father, Lord, with a bowl of blood, watch this. And then I go inside and then the outer court with smoke, there's a bell, you know, a lot of incense going on and all of that. And I enter. There is a bell that is clinging as I'm moving. Every step is clinging. So once they don't hear that bell again, they know Baba has died inside. I shall not die. So, so when you get here, are you with me this morning? When you get here and you offer the blood, what that does is that God considers all your sin for the year forgiven. You hear what I just said? Go and read it. Hebrews 8, chapter 8 and chapter 9. It tells us that the high priest comes inside to offer once in a year the sins for all the people. So once in a year, you, cover, you cleanse yourself from sin. The, the people are allowed to live a life knowing that next year I will go and cleanse myself again from other sin. So they can make mistakes, they can do mischievous things. If judgment is not coming on them instantly, you know all those things. But guess what? Jesus came and shed his blood. And then the Bible tells us that if the blood of animals could achieve such purity for one year, how much more the blood of a human being, are you with me, the people of God this morning? How much more the blood of a human being who never sinned, how much more will his blood be effective for us? 
The Bible says he came and went into the Holy of Holies spiritually and practically. I'll tell you why. And offered his blood once and for all for humanity. His own is not once a year. His own is once and for all. He knew he's not coming back. Do you remember the story? People of God, are you here this morning, please? Do you remember the story that Jesus was risen and he was going? Then Mary saw him and he said, Mary, don't touch me. Do you remember that story? That, why did he say she not touch him? Because he was going into the presence of the Father to offer his blood. He was going to meet God Almighty with his pure blood. That's why Jesus Christ couldn't have sinned. He was not born of a man. So the nature of sin was not transferred upon him. The seed of sin is not in him. What gave birth to Jesus was the immaculate conception through Mary. And that was born by the word of God. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He said the word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us and we beheld of his glory. That of the only begotten son full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ had no sin in him. When he shed his blood, there was no sin in his blood. When he carried his blood and he told Mary, don't touch me yet. He was going to offer his blood for our sins. So that anything sin has done before, he can reverse the effect. Can I hear an amen? amen? We must believe this. Because the effect of sin against us is severe. Sin has made a lot of people never be able to hear God. If God is talking, sin will not let you hear. If God wants to tell you the business that will make you prosper, sin will not let you hear. As I'm preaching, sin can make you be sleeping. You are just interested. Anything said is just preach, make a hear they go. Sin will not make you even educated. Sin will collapse your mind. Sin will make you see your neighbor as your enemy. Sin will make you see everything as wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. There's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It did not just come, and it's something I want us to not just, you know, say amen to ritualistically, or just say out of ritual. You know, he wants us to see, okay, thank you. You know, he wants us to see that, look, your, your nature is being changed when you receive Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning, people of God? Your nature has been changed. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Look at your neighbor for me. Third verse, sin no longer has dominion over me. Let's preach together this morning. Say, sin has no place in me. So Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. How did we become sinners? Through one man. And through the death of one man, we were emancipated from sin. Jesus died. To replace us from what Adam had caused. It was Adam's disobedience that led to sin having power against us. Hear me? With the death of Jesus Christ, we have been liberated from sin. Let's look at some scriptures and appreciate what I'm talking about some more. Let's turn our Bibles quickly, if you can, to the book of um, Romans chapter 5, verse 21. See what the word of God says. Are we there? Romans 5, 21. People of God, let's read it together. One, two, if you can, let's go. One, two, go. That are seen. Hey, come on church, let's do this. Is it not clear? One, two, go. One, two, go. Let's go. Sin reigned unto death. So grace will reign unto righteousness through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. So what does that mean? Once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what I'm telling you now, sin no longer is your master. 
Let's look at one more scripture, then I will share this further. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. You are delivered from the power of sin. You are redeemed from the power of sin. Sin is no longer your master. You now have a, a choice in the conversation. Let's look at what it says. Romans chapter 6. Let's start from verse, um, for the purpose of this discussion, from verse 4. If you are there, say amen. Let's look at it from verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. That's what it means to be born again. That you died in Christ Jesus when you believed in him. Once you rise up from that prayer you made, the Bible says that you have been brought into what we call newness of life. Someone say after me, say newness of life. Say it again, say after me, say newness of life. Say I'm a new creature. Say I'm a new creation. Say all things are passed away. Say behold. Say powerfully, say behold. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Say all things are new in my life now. Say I am new in Christ. Say I am new. Say I have a choice. Come on, help me preach this morning and don't look at me like I'm a statue. Say it again, say I have a choice. Say I have a role. Say I have the newness of life. Say powerfully, say I have the newness of life. Say I am the redeemed of Jesus. Say I am new in Christ Jesus. Shout a big amen. This is important that we see as he says we now have the newness of life. Let me read on from verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Your old man is crucified. There's an old man who used to lie, cheat, deceive. If you are born again, that old man is crucified. You must believe this, ladies and gentlemen. That you are not the same man that before you gave your life to Christ. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Somebody shout a big amen. amen. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That if before now you were somebody that was subject into the ritual of your family. Some families were born into rituals. Some families were born into kind of some, some situations. It's no fault of yours. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are, not some things, are, all things have become new. We are made new in Christ. Glory to God. I said we are made new in Christ. 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 We are no longer victims. We are now celebrants of the life of Jesus Christ. It says in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Verse 9, Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. He says, for in, he, in, in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. That is, take yourselves as being dead indeed unto sin. What does that mean? That means you are no longer somebody that can respond to the cravings of sin. Take it that you are no longer alive to sin. The things that used to appeal before now must stop to appeal. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? 
we must take it that you are dead to sin. You are no longer alive. What that means, when we say alive to sin, means that when anything appealing comes, maybe some opportunity for mischief comes up, you, you respond naturally. He said, now, take it that you are dead. The opportunity for sin comes, you are like, no, I'm no longer a sinner. That's the response you should give. When they come to tempt you and say, let us smoke some more. And let us just womanize some more. You can tell them, look, I'm, I'm now a new creature. Glory to God. You might be wondering, what should I say? They are my friends. Tell them first. They themselves are looking for how to be saved. Tell them first. I'm now a new creature. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. I said, glory to God. Look at what he now says. Likewise, reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God, verse 11, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12. Please, I'm going now to verse 14, so be patient with me. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lost thereof. What does that mean? Sometimes you see food, you feel like overeating. You know how you just see food? Or you have someone that hurts you, and you want to do your own back. I will show him I'm not an idiot. You know, you know those type of things? Those tendencies exist in us. He said, don't respond to that tendency. Don't let that tendency have a better side of you. Everybody can still do something wrong. It's a matter of choice. But he says, subject that tendency under your control. Don't be vulnerable. Don't yield to it. I do my own. I do my own. I do my own back. God no go verse. No. No, 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 no. It's no longer your, your lifestyle. You are now above. Can I hear your amen there? Let's read on. Verse 13. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Can I hear your amen there? It says, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's look at verse 15. What then shall we say? Because we are not under the law, but under grace. He said, what shall we, what then shall we sin? Sorry. Because we are under the law, not under the law, but under grace. He said, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But he said, but of God, but God be thanked that we were, that ye were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Let's flip down to verse 23, verse 21, verse 21. It says, I'm, I'm reading verse, um, verse 23, sorry. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Somebody say amen there. Now, why am I teaching this to us? Look up, people of God. Let me explain why I'm teaching this. Because until the matter of sin is settled, your relationship with God is not settled. You must understand that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are solving a very major matter of life and death. You are solving the question of sin. And it is sin that will limit how well you function on earth. Let me tell you the truth. This life is beautiful. Sin has been a major obstacle. The cravings of the flesh, the things that we like doing. The wickedness of revenge. The pleasure we get from pride. The passion for food. Things that we crave after. These things have limited how much of God we can have resident in our lives. Guess what? Through the belief in Jesus Christ what you have essentially done is that you have received power to control sin. He's no longer your master. Say that after me. Say sin is no longer my master. Say I 
had a choice in this matter. Help me preach if you are old or young. Speak out loud and bold and clear. Say, I have a choice in this matter. Say, sin is no longer my master. I have a say in my life. Why am I teaching you this? Because essentially, anybody who has not mastered sin has not yet become a beneficiary of why Jesus came. Because he says he will de deliver his people from their sin. So if you are still under sin, even though you are a Christian, you have not yet benefited from why Christ came. Do you understand what I'm saying? So sin is a major part that Jesus Christ came to deliver us from. And I believe very strongly that faith in his blood gives us liberty and control over sin. Let's quickly examine why Jesus Christ came. Because he tells us in Hebrews 9.22, let's look at it, Hebrews 9.22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So what does the blood of Jesus Christ do for us concerning sin? Well, through his blood, we are redeemed from sin. Through his blood. And almost all things are by the law, touched with blood. And without shedding of blood, is no remission. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14, Ephesians 1 7. Look at what it says. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Look at it. Colossians 1 14, Ephesians 1 7. Please note those two scriptures down. They will help you a lot when you are reflecting on the scriptures I've just taught you. Colossians 1 14, Ephesians 1 7. Is it coming up? Okay, I have it. Let me just open it here safely. Ephesians 1 7, it says in verse 7, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. What does the blood of Jesus Christ do for us? It gives us, number one, it purges us from sin. Number one. Number two, it gives us redemption. Redemption. The second thing the blood of Jesus Christ does for us is redemption. Did you see that in, your, in the Bible there? Ephesians 1, 7. Can we read it together? Look at the people of God. Quickly, let's read this together. Ephesians 1, 7. Quickly. What does the blood of Jesus Christ do for us? Number one, we said it purges us from sin. Number two, it gives us redemption through his blood. Let's read it together. Everybody, one, two, go. According to the riches. So the blood of Jesus Christ does not just purge you. It redeems you back. It redeems you back. Sin was your master before. He, the blood of Jesus Christ delivers you from sin. Now you have the liberty to serve the living God. Look at what it says. Look at the next scripture. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. Nothing was capable of cleansing the inward part of a man except the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at it. Hebrews 9 14. Quick, let's just reflect on some things we said yesterday. Can it come up on time, please? I need to collapse on time. Look at it. Hebrews 9 14. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, he was talking about the blood of bulls and of goats, being able to cleanse men in their flesh. He's not saying how much more with the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge, uh, I'm still just reading scripture now, uh, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Your conscience can be purged. You know sometimes you do something and your conscience is dropping you, dropping you, dropping you, dropping you. You have, you have said sorry, but you are still feeling bad. Nothing can touch that conscience but, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to what I'm saying here? And if your conscience is not clear, even your prayers will not be clear. If your conscience is not clear, nothing will be clear for you. The Bible says, and of a good conscience, without which we make shipwreck of our faith. So your conscience plays a major role in how God will answer you. Nothing can touch the inward part of a man by the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to what I'm saying here? So the blood, somebody said the blood of Jesus Christ is effective for my conscience. Nothing can, what can touch a man's conscience? His blood. His blood. His blood. Now this is important. That you understand 
that the blood of Jesus Christ is not just a history blood. No, it's valid now. Now, why do I say so? Let's turn our Bibles quickly to look at how is the blood of Jesus Christ valid for today. What does it do for us? We are seeing here that the blood of Jesus Christ does not just redeem us. The next thing it does for us is that it gives us justification. Let's look at it in clear terms. Quickly, help me with Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Help me please. I'm excited here. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Please let's do this together. Don't sleep on me. Let's do this. If you are alive with me this morning, say a big amen. amen. Look at it. Look at it, please. Let's look at it together. Verse 9. Want to go. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Every kind of problem or judgment that was to come on you because of your mistake, only the blood can make you dodge it. There are things you have done wrong. Look at me, everybody. If you say you are not wrong in action, you are wrong in thoughts. If you say you are not wrong in thoughts, you are wrong in words. Nobody here can totally say it's not wrong somewhere. The consequence of that you are wrong doing, where do you think it goes to? It's coming. It's coming. It takes the blood to say, even though I was wrong, I'm not wrong. Otherwise, you will be wrong and you will suffer the consequence of your wrong. That's why a Christian that does not know how to use the blood will be living a life like he's not a Christian. Because there's a demon of death that knows who he's coming for. He's coming for the ignorant. He's coming for those that are not justified. That's why God told them, put blood on your lintel. Put blood on your lintel. He said, imagine a child of Israel who forgot to put blood on his lintel. It's not God's fault. God is not looking for whether, you, are you a Jew? Are you a Jew? No. He's not asking. He said, just put blood. Because with blood, I know you were given instructions. With blood, I know you know the code. The blood of Jesus Christ is a signal code in the realm of the spirit. That's why Paul could say in Galatians 6, 17, he said, henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear my body. Those that are in the realm of the spirit knows it, that there's a mark in the spirit. If you don't have blood on you, the demon that is coming can catch you. It's his blood he's looking for. Not English, not I'm right. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. He's not looking for whether these people are sinners. He's now asking a question. If an Israel, if an Egyptian puts blood, he will be saved. That's what I'm trying to say. If an, if an Israelite does not use blood, he will be damned. But thank God, the code was given to all of us. The code was given to only the Israelites. Like I'm giving you the code now. You must actively use the blood. Otherwise, you will suffer consequences that you don't need to suffer. How can a Christian be going? He has no mark in his life. No! You, you are not giving the code. And that's why I'm telling you the code today. That though you were wrong, the blood can make you escape. Though you were wrong, the blood will give you victory. There are many things we'll be wrong on. Only the blood can speak for us. In Hebrews 12, 24, it says that the blood has speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. That's what the blood does. The blood of Abel was crying for revenge from his brother. When he says, speak a better thing. If the one was speaking better things over, was asking for revenge, then this blood is speaking forgiveness. This blood is speaking mercy. This blood is speaking overlook, oh God. That your Jesus is alive. Ever making intercession with his blood for you. Don't waste it. What do we need to do? Let's take a three more things about what the blood does. Quickly, 
The blood does not only end there. The blood helps us to serve the living God. Number four, the blood helps us to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14, that we may serve the living God. We read that earlier on. Number five, the blood fights for us and overcame them by the blood of the Lamb, the first instrument. By the blood. No grammar. Blood. First thing to win is blood. Not the word. Not the name of Jesus. The blood. The blood. We don't overcome because we are good. We overcome because the blood is there. Every day you must learn to shout. The blood speaks for me. Every day you must learn to shout. The blood is on my side. Every day you must learn to shout. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You think we are joking here? In the realm of the spirit, they know you've been taught. You say to a witchcraft, they know the meaning. You might not know, you might just think I'm putting good English together. That's a code in the spirit. Tell him, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Or you tell someone that you know is a witch, say, I'm coming with you with the blood. Eh? What do you talk? You go to your office. You don't know what to do. Something is happening in your organization or opening your house against your spouse. You don't know what to do. You carry an element, sanctified as the blood, and splash it there. I give you 24 hours. Whatever was hidden there will show up. People just think that we are nine cities because we are wearing three pieces. No, make no mistake, I will show up to you in the spirit. The blood makes us enter God. God enters us. So, this your innocent Christianity that lacks power is because you are not educated. It's because you are not educated. The power in the realm of the spirit of a Christian is, is formidable. Make no mistake, you cannot lose with the blood. You did not write in an exam, finish. Speak the blood. You will be surprised your, your, your script will populate answers. This is the mystical part of Christianity that when Jesus spoke about in John 6, people left him. Say, what are you saying, though? You gave us five loaves, two fishes. Which one is this blood you are saying? Decide to go one by one. Just look at that. You two are going. He said, Lord, where will I go to? Thou hath the word of life. This is the depth of Christ. We don't say this every day, but this is Easter. You will not feel in Jesus' name. There are people in your business shop beside you. They are doing things two o'clock in the night. You, you sleep, wake up. Eh? What time is it? My toothpaste has finished. They've done things to outtake you. You come with your innocent mumu. Oh God. Oh God, my heaven is back. I hope for years to come. I pass from the stormy blast. And I eternal They've done things in the realm of the spirit. You are showing up late. When you get there, you stand and say, In the name of Jesus, I speak the blood of Jesus Christ around this. You don't need to call pastor. I'm teaching you how to do it. I'm teaching you how we do it. Come on. Faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Somebody stole your stuff. Don't get angry. This blood on you. If you stole something, I pay you. Release blood. 
in the name of Jesus. If he touches this mortal ground, don't use the careless to reveal. We think we are helpless. If only you know the power of the blood. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? The blood of Jesus Christ is speaking. He's speaking peace for us. He's speaking judgment against the adversary. So when we look helpless, I just used to think, ah, is that we're not taught the efficacy of the blood? Let me show you something. Are you ready this morning? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. The blood fights for you and I. The blood speaks, number six. The blood gives us the light of God, number seven. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me start from verse um, 20. That's what they call it in your rabbi. Are you there tonight? Are you there this morning? I mean, my eye is already rolling like blood. Yeah. Listen to me. No demon will prevail against you again. Anyone that calls your name for evil will see blood showing up in his back. Why? I want to show you something. The blood makes God enter you and you enter God. Blood is not ordinary. Anywhere you see blood, it means something has died. Am I correct? Are you hear what I'm saying here? You can't die twice. He that died for you will ensure that nobody's. If you die, you pass on. Sleep and pass on. Know that they will shoot you and you will die. Blood. We don't know what we carry. So we become cheap victims. Praise the Lord. Are you with me in 1 Corinthians? Quick, let's read it together. From verse 20. When you come together, therefore in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and the other is drunken. Let's jump down to verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, same night in which he, took his, he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this in my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me are you seeing your bible there he now says after the same manner also he took the cup which we're going to take coming on this morning amen yeah he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is new testament what did he call it what did he call it you are not in New Testament if you are not a blood active person. This New Testament is built on blood. See what he said. He said, New Testament. Please, who is talking? Who is talking, please? God bless you. In my blood, this do ye. What is it we should do? As oft as you drink it. Please, who is talking? Please, who is talking? I have some of my pastor friends who argue this matter. That blood communion is not New Testament. Who told you? Who is talking here? He said, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Did you see that in your Bible? We do it often. In remembrance of what are we remembering about Jesus Christ? That he died. That he was buried. And that death could not hold him down. If nothing could hold Jesus down, nothing will hold you down. Some of you sleep, you wake up, something is chasing you from your dream. If I were you, I would go back to that sleep. Enter the dream again and say, Lord, I come against you. 
Are you hear what I'm saying here? You speak with audacity, faith in the blood. Faith in the blood. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Say that after me, everybody. Say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Say it with audacity. Say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Say it properly. Say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I see pots breaking apart as I'm talking here. I see chains breaking loose right here. There are spiritual things, but we have spiritual answers. When they talk, we answer them with blood. No long story. Blood will answer you. Look at what it says. Look at what it says. Verse 26. Just to show you the mystical part of this thing. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you shoot the Lord's death till he comes. Did you see that? As often. Every Wednesday we take communion here. There is a family that sponsors that every Wednesday that you have communion. It's a family. It's family. You two can take up the, the task. That's our communion in our church. I will be buying it. How much is it? How much do you want to drink? Imagine somebody providing what we use as blood. I'm telling you, cheap ways to partner with God. I will buy proper communion tray. That's what we are saying. You are partnering with God. We are using plastics now. It has not occurred to you to buy the correct tray. It was someone that bought the tray. Blood. Blood. <laughs> the blood is powerful. He says, as often as you drink it, you do it. Now look at verse 27. He said, wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of Jesus, of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so let him eat of, the, of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily. Now, I want to make sure that you see that the worthiness there is not that you are perfect. It's that you are in Christ. Hello? Because it's the worthiness of Christ we are benefiting from. He says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That's the day is die. Because you are eating, and you are, you are, you are just, they are just coming. They say we should take communion. We are not saying you are a sinner. We are saying to you that eat it with faith. Eat it with faith. Is that me? That's not me. Eat it with faith that it is just Christ that has made you worthy. When you come here this morning to eat this thing, it's not because you are perfect, but because you are in Christ. Can I hear your amen? Yes. We are taking up the blood. He does not just fight for us. He does not just speak for us. He gives us the life. Let me give you two more and I'll wrap up from there. Two more, quickly. The blood makes us benefit in the investment of identification. The blood makes us one together with Jesus. That's what I mean by identify. So, there are some people that they are identified by somebody else. When the, when the chief of staff of a governor shows up, he comes representing his governor. Am I correct? When the governor speaks, he speaks on behalf of everybody. When you agree together, what you say, you say it on behalf of God. What God says, he says it in your favor. Identification. We are completely immersed in Christ. Help me ask your neighbor this morning, do you understand what we are doing here this morning? So I mentioned that the blood also cancels the power 
in the realm of the spirit. Any power you can't overcome physically, there's the blood that helps you. Sometimes we see some people that are, they are maybe afraid of miscarriage. You can't go to the realm of the spirit. You realize that in the Old Testament, the blood was never drunk. In fact, you are, you are killed if you have to drink blood. In the New Testament, Jesus officially dedicated blood for us. That's a major part of the New Testament. He said, drink. Jesus said, drink my blood. He said, when you drink my blood, I am with you, you are with me. I will show you now, now, now. My last one. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. You may believe in the anointing oil. That one releases anointing. Blood releases the life of God. If you see Jesus today, there is no blood in his body. Pastor, Pastor, have you seen Jesus? Yes. But more than yes, I can tell you, it is because he told us. He told Thomas, put your hand inside my hole. It was an empty holy, hollow hand where the nail pierced. And Thomas said, until I touch it, I will not believe. And Thomas put his hand inside there. There was no blood. He came out, no blood. What happened to his blood? He has offered it as an eternal libation for you and I. Eternally, once and for all. Ladies and gentlemen, you should never lose a battle again. Now there's a blood speaking for you. Where you cannot speak for yourself, the blood will speak for you. Can I hear a believing amen? amen? So we have listed a few things here that the blood is our tool for victory. Chiefly, among other things, it cleanses our conscience, gives us spiritual power, it purges us from every dead work of a righteousness that might serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14 is a tool and all, for overcoming and all that. I want to close with this tonight. Apparently, Jesus told us that we should drink his blood. Let, let's look at it. My last scripture, John chapter 6. Are we blessed this morning, please? Don't let anybody deceive you that the blood is not relevant. They are making you lose your spiritual power. It's a major, in fact, one of the major arguments, do you know that Muslims, look, look up, do you know one of the major things that make Muslims argue with us as Christians is that they don't believe that Jesus Christ came as the Son of God. Are you with me this morning? They don't believe it. What do they believe? They believe he's a prophet. But no, Jesus is the Son of God. The Bible says anybody that does not believe this is already believing the spirit of the Antichrist. Here's John chapter 2. Go and read it. And chapter 4. Read it. Go and read it in your Bible. Read your own Bible. It says, anybody that does not believe this, why? Why is it that Jesus Christ has to come in the flesh? Because if he did not come in the flesh, that means he does not have blood. Only flesh will have blood. If he doesn't have blood, that means he never died. If he did not die, his blood is not shed for our sins. Man is still in bondage. So the intricate part of the New Testament is the blood of Jesus Christ. Are you getting what I'm trying to say here? Every other thing existed before the blood. Even blood existed. But it was used externally. Just now saying, look, this New Testament, you drink it internally too. As they apply, because they call this something the blood of sprinkling. They will take a leaf. There's a leaf they call high, um, is it soap now? Yeah? They take it. And then they sprinkle shot. So as you people like this, I'll put the sprinkle blood on her head. Shua, shua. That's how they do it in the Old Testament. Shua, shua, shua. With a leaf. Blood. 
so that everybody that that blood stain, just that stain, is enough to purge you for a year. <laughs> oh my God is kind though. Some people they mess up that one year. They will mess up, knowing that next year, man, blood goes. I get what I'm saying here. They will launch. They will leave up. Knowing one thing, that the blood will speak. Are you with me this morning? Yes, sir. Knowing one thing, that the blood after one year will speak for them. You will have eternal bowl of blood. Do you know how many pints of blood just Christ had to shed? You know just Christ was looking like me. you know how much blood I have in my body? You understand what I'm saying? It can't be less than some 12 bottles of Ragolis water. Two bottles. Flowing. Whatever is not in the blood of Jesus Christ will not be found in your blood again. That cancer they are telling you will not be found in your body again. That leukemia, tuberculosis, whatever disease, today by the token of this understanding, we declare none of it will be found in your body in the name of Jesus Christ. Say that amen like a thunder. Let's close with our last scripture this morning, John chapter 6. I want to close with that and take the communion. John chapter 6, verse 52 to 56. Please be patient with me. I'm about to wrap up in the next five minutes. But please listen to the most important part before taking communion. Very important. You don't need to come to church to take communion. You can do it at home. Buy a beautiful bottle of Ribena or a beautiful bottle of Berry Blast Five Alive juice. I like that one. I like that one. Keep it to your fridge. Once you start to notice colorful, colorful, something, something you don't understand, don't shout. Don't show fear. Pinch your biscuit. That's what you always have biscuit or bread at home. I'm teaching how we do it now. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? You sanctify it. Jesus did not give them blood. He tried. He gave them wine. And said, take this wine. He doesn't take this wine. As he said, take my blood. It's what you sanctify that becomes blood. Do you understand what I'm saying here? If you don't have wine, take water. Jesus, your Jesus, said, take this thing. It's blood. And they drank it. And that's what we are established. So don't be looking for blood. I need blood. You can't cut your body. You are your own. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You take the element and say over it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Lord, I sanctify this element as blood. By faith, I take this as your blood. That's all. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Take the bread. I sanctify this as your, bro, your body. By faith, I call it your body. Eat the bread before you drink the blood. And give God thanks. You are not sure of what to do. Your body is doing you one hand, one hand that you don't know. You had a bad dream. Nothing can serve this question because you might not know all the scripture. Hello? Yes, but you could know this one I just told you. You might not know all the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You might not know that one. But this one I just told you. Oh, Shwabi. Oh, Shwabi. Oh, 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 Shwabi. Do you know what I'm talking about here? Yes, Are you hearing what I'm saying here? Yes, Please don't joke what I'm saying. Pregnant women. I know you are plenty. It's not a feasible. Hear me well. You must not lose a baby. Carry what I... I'm not your pastor. I'm telling you now how it works. 
John chapter 6. Verse 52 to 56. And then I'm done for today. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man. Please, who is talking? Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Ah! Jesus, you don't tell us before. He's telling them now. See the next time. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. So this your I, blood I receive into my life is not complete. Though. If you are not a blood drinker, if you are not a flesh eater, but that's why no witch can bewitch you. What are they eating? They are looking for blood of chicken, blood of dead men. We we eat the purest blood on earth, the purest blood in heaven. Our conversation is higher. He says he has made us seated above principalities and powers, far above. Ladies and gentlemen, your power is superior. Say after me, say I understand now. Shout loud, say I hear. Say it again, say I hear. Say I receive my authority in the realm of the spirit. Please speak, let me finish this and we take the communion. He says, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed. And my blood is blood, is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me. Who are you in? Please, who is talking? The foundation of this Christianity is cutting from Jesus. Don't go and be believing the theory of one another man. I'm not reading my. I didn't write my book and I'm reading to you. This is the Bible. It's inside your Bible. You are seeing it there. I'm, I don't do things by opinion. What does the word of God have to say? He said, if you don't do it, you have no life in you. See now, he says, where am I? Verse 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living father hath sent me and I live by the father. You see that? I live by the Father. So, he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Someone said, I will live forever. That's why I know no stray bullet can kill you. That's why I know you will travel and come back. That's why I know that no demon can overwhelm you. I know now that nobody can cut your body to death. I know now that there are no losses in your life. I know now that when your name is mentioned, the blood of Jesus Christ represents you. I know now that no sickness will take you down. I know now that you will live long forever. I know now that there are no losses in your life in the name of Jesus. Your business will not go down. Your marriage will not go down. I pray that the mercy of Jesus Christ will speak for you. That the life in this teaching will come alive in your heart. And that your life will share a testimony. Go ahead and make a prayer from this, this, this morning and, and begin to prophesy the validity of the blood, the efficacy of the blood in your life. Go ahead and thank God. Are you there this morning? Go ahead and thank God. Lord, we give you thanks. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Go ahead and thank the Master. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Lord, we give you praise. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. The efficacy of the blood. 